0: What makes life worth living? Should we focus on the process we live life or the outcome? And does competition make us better? Everyone is competing, right? Doesn't this give us purpose? Okay. We know that some people are a bit hesitant with that, but we can all agree that we want the best for our kids. And on this podcast, we've always been committed to providing discussion on how to better our lives, especially with our families, We hope they meet their goals. We hope they end up happy and resilient. But what role do sports play? On today's podcast, we welcome Scott Desmond, and we discuss the psychology of youth sports.
1: Welcome to the Radically Genuine Podcast. We are broadcasting from the underground bunker on the... Front lines of the mental health and cultural crisis in the United States. Nice here with uh, Kelly back in the studio. Yes, it's sir. Glad to have you back. I have to unfortunately let our audience know we have uh, Sean's missing. Yes, and uh, this is uh, probably shocking to our audience because even with being vaccinated, boosted, double masked, and wrapped in in bubble tape, he still, while mitigating on the margins, contracted the virus. I heard. And he is at home recovering. We miss you, Sean. Wish you were here. He is doing well. Um, And he's contributed to today's podcast by developing some research and asking a lot of questions for our special guest. But before I identify our special guest, I want to wish everybody a happy new year. This is our first podcast in 2022. And we want to just thank our listening audience. We've been overwhelmed with the positive emails and some of the questions that we've received. We're gonna have an up, upcoming podcast in which we answer some of those listening audience questions. Now, this is an interesting podcast. I wanna announce a special guest uh, in the studio today is Scott Desmond. Scott is a, has a master's degree in sports psychology and exercise science. But I think what makes Scott even a more interesting guest is his background in coaching. And his experience in youth sports. He is currently an assistant wrestling coach at I think we're the number eleven ranked team in the country. Hopefully, moving up those standings there. Nice, we are. But a nationally ranked wrestling program, and it is is a program that has a lot of kids that he he trained at a a prominent national program called Red Hawk Wrestling Club that he and uh, some other family members kind of have built over the years here in the Lehigh Valley region. And, and one thing that really stands out is him as a parent, he has two young kids, uh, a freshman wrestler who is currently ranked number two in the country and uh, was in the Cadet World Team Trials uh, Finals. So, uh, you know, one opponent away from representing the, uh, the United States this past year, That's Nate, incredible. And, and he's a, he's a freshman and he has a 13 year old daughter now. 13. Yeah. Nicole is a 13, she's 13 years old. And, um, you know, she's a hopeful for the 2024, 2028 Olympics. She's on the national scene. She was invited to the national team camp for USA gymnastics, um, she was at you know, 10, 11-year-old. She was uh, Hope's National All-Around Champion. Um, she was Hope's Bronze Medal on the Volt uh, this past year. I was at the 12 and 13 years old. So she's one of those young up-and-comers on the gymnastic scene. And I know he and his wife have made incredible commitments to both those kids to be able to achieve their dreams. So it, he, he's a real interesting guest because he can talk to us about the culture In in youth sports, both I think how you know how it really does contribute to uh, you know development for kids, and how it's a protective factor for building resilience, and it's so important and ingrained in the United States. But there's also I think a dark side to sports, and you know we see this now. It's a a multi-billion-dollar industry in youth sports with a lot of money, with the hopes of of training kids to maybe get a scholarship at the next level. And it's been in the national media, you know, the, from the travel teams and, and the way parents, you know, treat coaches or treat referees, uh, you know, it's just, it's an interesting dynamic that has developed in, in the United States. So let's have a conversation today though, about, you know, how do we, how do we raise our kids in a, in a sports culture? Why do we do it? Where do parents go wrong? And let's intersect it with everything mental health. I want to welcome Scott Desmond to the podcast. Thanks for coming, buddy. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So I want to, uh, I just want to start off by saying, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very excited about this podcast because of my own kids. And I've got obviously lots of questions, lots of thoughts. And, um, the first thing that uh, I want to bring up is um, the importance of just sports, youth sports in general, getting everybody involved. And I know that with my three kids, I've always said that, you know, I wanted them involved with things because I wanted them to learn things like, um, you know, teamwork and failure and collaboration. Can you talk a little bit and start us off with um, how you got involved with everything and just, um, uh, you know, I'm just excited to hear like, How did you get to that point? How did your kids get to that point?
2: So I'll go back. This is 15 years ago or so. Um, My wife and I um, stayed in the Lehigh Valley. And, you know, we wanted to be in this area. It's growing. Uh, It's always been nationally known for wrestling, coming from a wrestling background myself. her family has a very big uh, wrestling background, Um, multiple state champs national qualifiers, Um, there's a passion there, I would say. Um, I also wanted to be involved as much as I could in my kids' life, Um, whether it be sports or whatever they chose to do. That's how it kind of started. My wife started before I actually started (laughs) helping with the kids because I was still coaching at a high school level. Um, And then when I left that scene for a little bit, I dedicated my time to my kids, and one of the kids was my son, who's ranked right down in the country, and from there, it just kind of expanded. And then we you know, met a couple great families, and from there, we put in the time and the effort. Um, but kind of leading up to that, um, I've always been involved in some way or another in the sports scene, And it's only because what I learned in sports, nowhere near the athlete my kids are or will ever be. But it's taught me a lot, you know, in my life, discipline, uh, respect. You know, a lot of life lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. Um, So that's kind of how I stayed in the area and kept evolving, let's say, in this sport.
1: Let me let me go to the beginning, okay? So, you know, I I know you and your wife very well. Um, you know, was that a conversation that the two of you had like as, as far as like values and how you're going to raise your kid? Did you have certain expectations in getting them into sports given your given your background and your wife's background?
2: I think it just kind of happened and then the conversation happened once we did get involved because the way that I you know, I've always taught my kids it's 100%. Give it what you can give it, you'll get out, you'll get out. And my wife is very similar. Uh, so we had that conversation, but we, we kind of went back to what we were good at. And we, we wanted the value of sport to be in our kids' life because deep down inside, they're going to learn a lot of life lessons for it.
1: Because yeah, the thing that stands out is both your two oldest – uh, Nate and Nicole, they get into these specific sports. They're individual sports. They're the sport of wrestling, and it's gymnastics. Two sports that really require a fairly high commitment level early in order to have success. Would you would you agree with that statement? Like that's almost something you, you have to kind of commit to at a certain age in order for you to have success later on?
2: There's two ways to answer that. <laughs> So I'll start with yes. Um, it depends where you want to take the sport. So your commitment level is going to be based on your your outcome, I should say. Your outcome is going to be based on your commitment level. So the involvement early on was important to what my children wanted moving forward. And then depending on where you want to be, where you see yourself or your kids in 10 years, you know, some kids aren't college athletes. Some kids may never be a college athlete. But I think it's more important along that road to stay focused on what other things are gaining from being involved in that sport.
1: Yeah, so your, your kids did make commitments early. Um, and that always, you know, that always stood out to me is because there was a level of commitment that I actually learned from you. Let me just kind of tell our audience a little bit of our our story here on how I met Scott. I do have two older daughters. Um, One uh, was was a soccer player and my middle daughter was never really into sports. So when I had my son, and I grew up in a sports background, I played small college football, I coached high school and college football. It was always that idea in my head that my son is going to be an athlete. And in fact, it's almost implanted in my mind he was going to be a football player, right? Because that's what I knew or that's where my passion was. That's where that's what I loved. And in one of uh, one of my one of the high school programs in which I coached, it was uh, at the time, a nationally ranked wrestling program with a number of the wrestlers were also played football. And they were my best kids. Like at that time, they were the toughest kids. Um, they were disciplined boy could they tackle, you know, just double legs, single legs They could just Mm -hmm. get in there and I remember like thinking at that time if I ever have a son He's a wrestler, you know, I just loved everything about kind of the mentality and the sport and so I got him into wrestling Um at like five years old and just like local rec leagues, but I realized it wasn't enough to be able to reach any kind of goal that he may have had or that you know, we had for him. Because wrestling's a sport, it's not a lot of fun if you're on your back a lot. You know, It's just not one of those situations where you, know, you can grind and you can work hard and you can expect your kid to really like it without having success. So we tried to find the kind of elite club and did our research, which was Scott's club at the time that was started by his father-in-law and his brother-in-law was running it. And that those two together were, you know, teaching these techniques and working with young kids. How did, how did you find that club? I think if I'm a parent listening
0: to this, I want to know, how do you go about finding, okay, I, I, I want, you know, we have a kid that's five. My son is five. How do you, do you just go on the internet? Do you just sit there and go, oh, I'm going to Google search this? How did you find Scott?
1: So we would take my son to local wrestling tournaments, and it was really more, you know, his wife at the time, because I think Scott was busy. He was a a high school coach. He would come around, but I ended up, like, just meeting her and uh, actually talking to her father one day and just doing some research. I was really impressed with how his son was actually wrestling at a pretty young age, too, just technically. And then I did my research. And then I went to the website, and then I realized – uh, some of the success of the of uh, of the head technician there, which was his brother-in-law, Seth. And some of the things that they wrote up on their on their website were like, it really kind of uh, like inspired me because it was, uh, and we're going to talk about this today, some of the philosophies that, you know, I've learned from being around Scott and, and Seth and the Red Hawk Wrestling Club, how that like helped me in parenting my own son. But they, they talked a lot about um, like, the value and importance of of the right type of training and the right environment and the right attitude. And that's where I wanted to take my take my son. So even though I had to drive 45 minutes at that time in my life to get there because they were in New Jersey and I was you know on the west end of Allentown, when you were there, you you saw that. You know, you knew you were around the right right people. And that's how I got to know him. Do you remember those, those early days over at, at Red Hawk and what the environment was like? I do. It was pretty intense. We had some good times too. It was, I mean, it was, uh, it, it became a, it became a, a family-like environment cause you know, we traveled to tournaments and stuff together, but like very early on, here's my story with Scott, you know, I, you have an eight year old son, a seven year old son and you know, who, who's, who likes sports and, and likes wrestling And you're always questioning, you know, do you get them involved in other things? How far do you push? Um, Like what's needed to to be successful? And I remember he like wrote an email to all club members at that particular time. I won't get into all the specifics, but it was really the key points of the email were, be careful of what your expectations are if you're not willing to put in the time and commitment. And he shared some stories about what he was doing with his daughter at that particular time and the amount of time that it was taking to be able to become a master at this sport. Uh, When did she start and what were you going through as a family and what led to your decision to make that type of commitment?
2: So she started at four. So I remember it. My, my wife, an ex gymnast, obviously um, took her to Parkett's gymnastics in Allentown and she's like we're gonna do the mommy and me class i'm like great it's gonna be great you know get involved it's really good for her you know she start doing some things with no intention to have it be where it is now and from there um she's been she was at Parkettes all the way up till this past year so actually almost a year ago next month And Parkettes
1: is a national training center. It's a national training center. There's been a lot of
0: uh, individuals that have come out and been Olympic athletes. A lot of elite athletes. Yep.
2: A lot. Um, Everything was great. Uh, She was doing well. She was excelling. She was moving up. Uh, They kept moving her up levels. She she was putting the time in. But, you know, the the conversation we had with my daughter, um, my wife didn't finish her gymnastics career. So she didn't want that for my daughter. So so with her experience, she basically said, what, "What, you know, as she got older, not at four, obviously, she was probably around maybe nine or ten, and she had a conversation with her and myself, and it was like, where do you want to go with this? How do you want to take this? What do you want to do with the sport? Do you like this sport? You know, the simple conversation of what do you want out of this? and from there she's like i want to do this i love doing this um she fell in love with it and she's been you know eight hours a day training she's been cyber schooled since third second third grade wow so i mean it went from a four-year-old to going into a mommy and me class to maybe possibly being involved with the sport to the extreme and you know it just it grew on her and it grew on the family um and currently you know as roger mentioned earlier they live in delaware so we made a decision for her career that they would move to delaware and they're there half the week so they come up here half the week they go there half the week she trains eight hours a day she's still cyber school and she's excelling and she's you know moving up the national level now and she loves it you know and we We decided as a family that was most important, you know, at the time, nine months ago, a year ago, whatever it is, um, to make sure that we provided her with the opportunity to be the best she could be in the sport, regardless of what it was going to be. That was the decision. That's how it was made when it came down to gymnastics. Um, It's tough. um, It's a big sacrifice, but she wants to be good in this sport. She wants to be great in this sport. She wants to go to the Olympics. That's her dream. It's a lot of kids' dreams. But we figured if we can't if we don't provide it to her, how is it gonna happen? And that's the way we looked at it and we just
1: made that decision. So go ahead. Yeah. You know, so Kelly, I mean, this is a good question for you as a as a parent who's now got young kids and you're making choices about where to go with kids youth sports is it starts with kind of a value system. Right. right? And like that value, um, you know, that Scott always had is, you know, he basically say he always had, you know, you have one life to live, you know, you give it your all, you know, you don't want to have any regrets with it. And if, if they love it and that's their goal and they want to do it, then, you know, we're going as parents, we're going to make that commitment. And that's part of our, our value. Our family value is that our lives are going to be dedicated to their success. Now the question that I always, you know, you always have, like, is that the same value for all parents? You know, I know if Sean was here right now, he would be like, he would be that devil's advocate. We we feel that youth sports can
0: create resiliency in children. That's why we're doing this. Now we're uh, we're certainly not uh, we're not moving to other states right now. We're not. We know that that and that, but. I I will say we're committed uh, with our children to to find success in what they want to do um with sports particularly sports academics I'm just curious as to how do you guys know that she was committed how do you know your son was committed how do how do you take that hurdle as a parent and say wow we're going to do this now
2: so probably two different two different scenarios with both my son and my daughter. My daughter, from the minute she went there at four years old, she, there was something about her. you know. She was able to do the things she was asked. She was dedicated to doing the things she was asked. Even at four, people go, that's crazy. There's no way. You, when, when you have a, a, a child, we'll say, that pays attention at five, you know, whether it be school, whether it be sports, and they're focused on, let's say, getting better or being disciplined and then having a smile when they come off, you know, the mat, the, the, the field, whatever it be, um, I think that's what my wife and I saw in my daughter. The other thing is the coaching aspect. You know, she had a lot of great coaches growing up. I would never take that away from parquets because she left Parquettes to better herself. But she had a lot of great experiences. She had coaches saying, you know, she is, she could be good, you know, not at four years old, not at five. But when she started moving up levels and she, they were asking her to do things and she would just go and do it. No complaints. Never come home. Never, never a dull moment where she came home and she's like, I don't like this or I'm scared to do this or, you know, and playing devil's advocate, as you would say, some parents would be like, well, you know, maybe she's special. You know, I, I, I believe that in some respects, but I also believe that was her self-discipline as she you started have, you doing. have
0: two, I want to remind everybody you have two <laughs> children. And when we talk about outliers, an outlier would be, okay, I have one child that one and, and is now doing this. You have two children that are, that are doing exceptionally well, not only in athletics, but so that is what I want to focus on. So there's something there, there's a method, there's a formula, there's something that as parents you did that encouraged and was, you were able to get both children to be passionate and to commit to this. That's what I want to get to.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, we do have to get there, but the one question that you always ask is how much is talent and how much are other factors, right? Right. Right. And you know, they are, talented athletes like there's no denying that there's that they're talented athletes but um there's also like the amount of hours that go into this and i don't know what was that malcolm gladwell with and his 10,000 hours I, I think that's debunked <laughs> i think that was just a, a
0: bullshit selling point
1: i'm sorry but,
0: but 10,000 hours can yeah, be, anybody I mean, that that
1: seriously th- that's made up right uh, yes. but the point around it does make a lot of sense sure. right like to develop some expertise Or to train your brain to do something. I'm sorry. I'm going to open a Monster Energy right now. (laughs) (laughs) It requires like repeated, like focused practice, but doing it the right way over and over and over again. When So obviously we'll start with Nicole. She had the talent. They recognized the talent, but there were other factors that were involved, right? Like there were other things, attributes about her combined with the environment. What were the other attributes you saw?
2: I would say it's a... Yeah, it would definitely be a combination of the attributes and the environment. So we put her at a very... As soon as we know she wanted to do this, as soon as we realized that she wanted to become as good as she could in the sport, we put the time, the energy, the hours, the the commitment, uh, the you name it, we did it. And it was at that moment when... I think the coaches realized the environment that we were putting her in, that we were committed. So once she did that, I would have to say shortly after that, she started to excel based on what she wanted. It was no longer, my wife and I, let us we've always been a part of it, but her own self-commitment and her self-determination had picked up at that point.
0: How old was she when that when that occurred?
1: I would say probably 11. 11. 10 or 11. Now, USA gymnastics has really been in the news. Um, obviously, you know, for, you know, those young ladies to be able to achieve their goals and they they often happens at a young age, like 16 years old is a, you know, a prime athletic peak for a, a lot of gymnasts. Right. So you have to do what they're doing in order to have that type of success. You can't really wait. Uh, you know, Have you been aware of and do you talk about kind of the dark side of that that sport and how do you protect her from some of the struggles that other gymnasts have had that have been public about that? So we've had full
2: conversations about it. My wife's pretty passionate about it. She's upset about it. My daughter's upset about it. She loves the sport. She looked up to a lot of these call them women some of them women now um we we have conversations we we never hide anything from our children we always try to give them the information give them our thoughts and let them ask questions open dialogue open
1: I, i would imagine especially in that sport you have to be really heavily kind of monitoring everything because they're you're trusting coaches and people to be around them you know how do you guys do that
2: well, for instance, I mean, she's going to end up going to Vegas. My wife's going, but she's not allowed in the facility. Then she's going out to the training center. Nobody goes, you know, and she's 13 years old. You know, and after the experiences with USA USA Gymnastics, um, there's always going to be a hesitance there. There's always going to be a dark side to anything. Right. However, how you explain things to, let's say, my daughter or my son, and allow them to internalize it and then process it and ask a question about it and what's right, what's wrong, what happened, how did this happen? They're all the same questions everybody asks. We always step back and allow them to do that. So the second the coaches say, hey, we're going to take her, we're going to go here, there's, we need to be as invested as we are in her, we need to be that invested in the coaching staff. We need to be that invested in what her commitment is to them. You know, that's showing up to practice on time. Every little thing you think about, you know, that that goes a long way. So the dark side of that is there, but this happens everywhere. So to close it off or, or say it never happened and you say gymnastics, it's it's very unfortunate. But it happens. I mean, it happened in football. Look at Penn State. Right. You know, I mean, look at what happened there. It's, it happens in society,
0: it right? It
1: happens. It's you part, can't just isolate it. High, high
0: profile is always going to be, and something goes wrong, you're going to hide it. There's no transparency. You're going to hide that as much as you can. That's a shame, but it's,
1: you know, it's what, reality. It's almost standard. It's reality. So yeah. so, so kids are going to be kids, right? And, um, you know, to, to believe that they'll always have a high motivation to do something all the time is not realistic, you know, and and sports kind of teaches these life lessons. How do you, when you, how do you handle a situation? Like when you're a committed gymnast like that and you're tired or your body's broken down or you, you know, maybe you don't want to practice that day. Did you ever have to go through that with her or is she just kind of like a, a, a you know, a different kind of kid? That's that a never, good question. I want to know that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: when they wake up and they're like, I don't know. I don't want to
2: do this today. That's a tough question. Um, I'll answer that as best as I can. Nicole is, my daughter, is very dedicated. She always has been. It doesn't matter if she's in sports, if she's at home and you ask her to do something. She's always been very dedicated to what she's doing. So she wakes up in the morning. She says, I have a headache. She doesn't say, I have a headache and I don't want to go to practice today. She, hey, can I have some Tylenol? All right. Can I have mocha whatever it's going to be? I still want to go to practice. So she may be a little bit different of a breed, we'll say, you know, but I'll go on the other extreme of that, and I'll go to my son and wrestling. You know, he maybe would have said that 10 years ago or 12 years ago, you know, whatever it be. Now he's sick. He wants to go to practice. He's hurt. He wants to wrestle. It's just – they they, have, they know the time at this point where they're at an age that they have put in and they have dedicated, and they're more determined, let's say, than we are as parents because we supplied them with that when they were a little bit younger. So it's, it's a hard question to answer. Is every kid like that? If you sat here and asked me if every kid, there's no way every kid is like that.
1: No, that's actually probably quite rare.
2: It's very rare. Yeah, But... It's kind of what this podcast is based on. If you think about it, how did it get to that point? Everyone wants to know how it got to that point right. or why are your kids doing that? Well, all we did is support everything that our kids wanted and we supplied them with information and we supply them with knowledge and we supply them with dedication. And we brought them hours and hours on end to things. Every time we got an opportunity to do something that they wanted to do, we did it but we made them understand the other things they would sacrifice. Where do you want to be? You know, make them think about where do you want to be? How, where do you want to take this? How do you want to, how do you want to apply yourself in this situation? And I'm not just talking sports. I'm talking in school. It's the same thing. What do you want as a GPA?
1: How do you want to be as a student? Where do you want to go to school? Right. All those things are important. So this is a great direction because, you know, I, I'm going to tell you a little bit where I've had to evolve as a parent. Um, and listen, we're always trying to get better. You know, I, I think we have to model things for our kids. We're not perfect. We have to get better at certain things. And there's this concept, and and Scott, you and I have talked about it certainly in the sports psychology kind of realm, process over outcome. And it's like, where where do you draw the line between like setting goals and where you want to be versus like if you're focusing on that, you're not you're not focusing right here on this kind of process. And I want to take it to something, um, you know, his son just went through in a couple national tournaments. He had a really interesting quote that, that I read in a, in a local paper a couple weeks ago. So he made it to the finals of um, the Ironman tournament, which is a top national tournament, and lost a really close match, uh, a little bit controversial, very, you know, toughly contested with the number one kid in, in the nation. I thought it was just a great match to watch. Both kids performed really well. And then he comes back, uh, you know, a week later in another national tournament, took it, won it. And he had an interesting comment in the the paper afterwards where he he said he needed to just get back on just focusing on having fun and scoring points as if he was a little bit too concerned about, you know, just winning the tournament. So it's like process over outcome, process over outcome. And thinking instead of just doing, right? Right. It's almost like if you're worried about what's going to happen then you're going to miss out on what really needs to happen in order for you to be successful. That's, i learned from, you know, often talking to you and at Red Hawk.
2: So on that point, I would say that's the biggest struggle with sports, you know, and especially at a high school level or a college level, it's, it's exactly that. So it's, you know, overthinking the outcome before the outcome even happens you know and i've always made it very clear not only to roger's kid and you know some of the other people we have been around for years and my own son or my own daughter but there's you're always going to fail but what are you going to do with that failure are you going to move forward are you going to overthink the next time or are you just going to move forward and do what you need to do to change the outcome right. and i think that's to Roger's point, what my son was trying to say is that week in that tournament, he overthought about the outcome rather than what the outcome, just letting the outcome happen. He wanted to think about how the outcome was going to happen. Yeah. And it's important because when you get to that high level where you you know, you over process, you shut down naturally. I mean, it's human nature. We, we all shut down. We overthink something where we, we maybe panic or we have anxiety about it. You know, if, if you can just let it happen and whatever the outcome is, and then move forward from there and learn from it, it's really, it, it, you don't have to worry about what it's going to be. Roger, isn't that where anxiety kind of plays a
0: role? Like if I'm just saying, okay, well, I have a big presentation I'm going to do. And this is my uh, expectation and this is what's going to happen. And all of a sudden uh, somebody throws a question out there and it's completely the opposite of what I thought. And doesn't that cause that to happen? I mean, it's the same principle when you're an athlete, when you're presenting, when you're trying to, you know, have a goal for the day, um, you know, how do you get, uh, how do you get student athletes? How do you get kids to understand that? Well, you wanna have a goal, like, cause you always, right? As a practice, as anything, you're going to have goals. You're going to say, "Well, we want to hear here's the outcome. This is what we want." But at the same time, you don't want to think about things as you're doing them. You just want to do. I mean, God, that's freaking Nike. <laughs> oh my God, I can't. But it's true. It, it
2: and and so I mean, everyone has anxiety. Right. So it's you know, and and I'm not saying don't don't take this as a perfect science because it's not a perfect science. Every kid is different. Don't no care what you coach what you do, what your family life is like. Every kid is different. So if you think you're going to walk onto a field and you're going to get 25 kids all respond the same way your kid does, it's it's going to be nearly impossible. Right. So where is the anxiety coming from? Is that internal? Is it external? Do you know the answer to that? Can you figure that answer out? Have you had that conversation? There's a lot of questions that need to be answered before you can answer that question. But just like my kids, I've never, I put pressure on them, but it's only the pressure they've asked me to put. So I've never overstepped. I've never said, you have to do this. You have to get an extra workout, and you have to do that. Here and there, yes, when I know they need a little extra push, that's okay. But I've never said, you have to be good at wrestling. You have to be good at gymnastics. I said, do you want to be? Would you like to be? What do you want out of it? How do you want to apply yourself? I mean, so there's a lot of questions that have to be answered along the way to get that answer. Yeah. I guess
1: that's where that open dialogue, you know, and having those conversations with your kids. But, you know, one of the things that's hard with, with kids is, you know, they don't think like adults, so they can't always like have the verbal capacity to answer those questions. Um, You know, I know, you know, his son, Nate, really well. Nate's a different kind of animal because he has this verbal capacity to be able to kind of communicate things that generally a lot of kids his age don't always have. Um How how old is Nate? He's uh 16, six, 16 now. 16, okay. But you know, I've been around him, you know, for like feels like 10 years, you know. He he's he's communicates his thinking, you know. Yeah. And but like my son you know, is only now starting to verbalize, you know, and he's 15 years old. He's now starting to verbalize a lot of years. I, I couldn't get him. You to said Shane was very similar to Brooks in
0: terms of just kind of very quiet and, you know, focused, um, goal oriented, uh, but harbored a lot of things internally.
1: You could, yeah, it was, it was harder to kind of get information to understand what he was yeah. thinking and feeling. So you had to be a really good observer of, of him. And, um, you know, you ultimately learn, and I think this is a lesson in life, an important lesson in, that I've learned from sports, is if you kind of, you know, our, our minds can create stories, and those stories can become a lot more problematic than reality. And if you're, if you're afraid to fail at, at anything, um, well, I mean, that level of anxiety is going to definitely impede performance. But if, if failure is only an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to get better, well then there really is no failure. And this is where we were blessed in spending time with Scott was there was and this is, you know, without a doubt purposeful. There were no highs and there were no lows. It didn't matter if you were in the state finals or, you know, you lost some match that you shouldn't have you shouldn't have won. Like the response was always the same. And it was one of the things that I always admired about scott as a coach was you know there were there were, you're just even keel there's no highs there's no lows like if you won that was great what could you have done better and if you lost what could you have done better and it trains a kid to think about things in a, in a certain way where it's not really about the outcome it says like, how can i make improvements at what i'm doing yeah how did you how did you how did you develop that mindset
2: That's a hard question. Um, Self-help books. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah told me. (laughs) Yeah, she told me to act that way. Um, I think over the years and the experiences that I've had, not only in wrestling, I'd I'd say in life, um, to go back a little bit on your point, you know, I, I think... That's exactly it. So we were talking about both of your kids. And I said in the beginning, you know, I said earlier on, you know, not every kid you can handle exactly the same. So what might work for my son or, or my daughter or maybe Roger's son, it's not going to work for your son. It's not going to work for John's son. It, it, you know, it, so so what I'm getting at there is Roger, you know, kind of mentioned – the failure. If you cannot learn from the failures that you have, or or accept, let's say accept the failures that you have, how do you actually learn? Right. Because you know, if you can get a, a kid to internalize and, and and realize that that failure is not really a failure, it's a it's a positive. I don't want to say result, but it's a positive outcome to a bad result it can be a positive outcome to a bad result that would be what i would say if you ask me that over and over you, what what can you learn what can you experience what can you do with what just happened it's not a failure everyone thinks a failure it's a bad thing i failed i right. failed i got a bad grade in school i failed that's all you learn right it's failure so you're no good. Don't
0: even get me started on
1: that grading so system. It's, well, <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> but, but, bur- but burnout in, <laughs> burnout in athletes or burnout in kids. I mean, my opinion is when you see kids that burn out in sports, it's they burned out because of the pressure, because it was that expectation or belief. They lost that ability to have fun with what they're doing and about getting better. Um, like, and, and this is like the downfall of a lot of par- parents, in my opinion, is you get really focused on that story of where you think your kid should be and you're kind of, you're comparing to that to where they think that should be. And when there's this natural evolution of like falling down and having to get back up again and get better, they're reactive to it. They're reactive emotionally to it in a way that kind of punishes the kid for, for losing or for making a mistake. And what does that do? You just kind of shape this kid who's now going to be anxious and worried about making a mistake. Yeah. And, you know, then you're not going to get the best out of them.
2: Well, just go to that point, right? And you talk about just something as simple as a kid walking. You know, what's the first thing people do? Oh, my kid walked in nine months. Or my kid walked at 12 oh, months. Oh, yeah, so, they want to brag. Like, yeah. My kid read it's, an entire it's book compar- at the age of yeah. six months. Yeah. And I'm
0: like, really? That's yeah. that's it's a good. lie, but yeah. good.
2: Yeah. Or if it happened, great. Sure. <laughs> what are they doing now? You know, so it's to that point. You know, it's, it's tough because... What I've learned over the last, we'll call it 16 years, uh, maybe 15 years, um, is every situation that I put my kids in when it comes to youth sports, I always had to make sure that it was some type of learning experience. I didn't care what they learned that day. What, what did you learn? Tell me about what you learned. Tell me about how you feel. And I always would go home. And this is hard, right? Because maybe, you know, Roger was talking about his son, maybe he didn't want to discuss that. Would I would I poke him and pry him? No, but I would just talk to them, have a conversation, you know, let them know that they lost, but it's okay, right. And then get a little bit out of them, every situation, every time that would happen, I would get a little more out of them, you know, And, and then it evolves to maybe, you know, where I'm at now. And, you know, my son and I had a great conversation today. And it's not something I want to talk about now, but he just started a conversation in the car. And I sat back and I was like, whoa, like he's talking, he's developing, he's he's willing to expose himself. He's willing to make more sacrifices. And I don't even have to ask for it. Mm. You know, and that's how I've always handled it. Those car moments.
0: Do you think that parents... Cause I have a hard time. Like I told you before the podcast, like every parent thinks I'm an expert at my own child's. I just am an expert. I'm just gonna, and I'm like, wow, but, but you're not, nor am I, and I never will be, but we're all allowed to fail too, right? We, we are. How do you handle when you fail with a, with a child, especially with athle- athletics or, 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 or goals? How do you handle that and say, wow, I messed up. Do you talk to him about it? What did you do? Another-
1: Specifically to.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with that. I think people sometimes are too harsh. Sometimes they won't admit Charlie, it. I
1: think you're the only one
0: sometimes <laughs> you're I think are definitely <laughs> the only one we really don't know what you're talking about over here but sometimes I think
1: <laughs> it's so smooth for us I mean, Roger just messing we with me. never make any mistakes
0: as parents we know who's a perfect parent is Sean Sean is perfect parent I will say that right now Sean I miss
1: you <laughs> <laughs> he is a good dad. so I mean I think what you're what you're trying to say is that you know sometimes you don't respond or react the way that you think is going to be best for your own kid sure and so what's wrong with saying I'm sorry? I, you know, you know, I, I kind of screwed that one up, or like, you know, it's probably a little bit too hard on you in that situation. Doesn't that model? I've said it. You know, a like times being I've able to say, sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, the ability to to apologize, right? Um, but I think it gets back to like focusing on process first, outcome. And when we start this with like, what are your values? And I'm a competitive guy, you know. <laughs> oh <and> shit! Really? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I used to like say, you know, I've got to you know, a competition problem. Like I don't like losing at anything. Like if you're going to play a game of checkers with me, you know, I don't like losing checkers. So like when it was youth wrestling, you play checkers. No, No. that's what I don't bring (laughs) that (laughs) up. But like Scott knows, like in those, in those days, like it doesn't even matter if it's my kid or another kid. It's like, if it's the team I'm rooting for, you know, like I'm, I want to win it. You know, I want to win it at all costs. And, you know, I've had to kind of evolve in that, in that way is because it sends the wrong message because in a sport of wrestling, you can go out there and you can fight and you can wrestle hard and you can wrestle really good and potentially lose, right? And then you can go out there and wrestle really poorly and win a match. And if you're like focused on the outcome like that, then you are not going, you're not getting to where you want to be at, in, your, in your growth. And so like getting away from that, like that the outcome matters and is a really big talking point that you have to take away, I think, from today's podcast. And we have to think about what are this like what are the actions, the attributes, the behaviors? What are you looking to build in your kid? That's how I think about it what are the what are the biggest what are the biggest
0: things that you say youth sports bring to um bring the kids bring bring to their futures?
2: values lifestyle commitment discipline i mean it's again it's going to be different it's going to be applied differently based on the athlete based on the kid based on the family based on different situations i'm not saying again it's it's not perfect but i would i would have to say that youth sports are most important for life lessons for a future for for a job you know, you, something as simple as, hey, I got to be on time for a job. You know, hey, I got to be committed to this job. You know, those small things that are overlooked outside of youth sports, I think youth sports teaches you that. Mm. You know, a commitment to your team, a commitment to a program, a commitment to your coach, your coach is committed to you. You know, respect. Routine. Routine. You know, um, and I – I wouldn't trade it for a world. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't. I would, never, I would never go back, you know, and, and I've had this question a few times. Would you have done something differently up to this point? I wouldn't do one thing differently. Not with my kids, not with sports, not with, you know, maybe for myself as an athlete, I wish I would have had a little bit more knowledge myself or had the commitment my kids yeah. have, you know, to make me a better athlete. But as far as what I've done so far, or what my kids have done so far, I wouldn't trade it. I would never trade it. I mean,
0: things have evolved so much so that you have um, you have so much talent coming out of college, coming out of high school. Um, and I said to you, I mean, I came from a blue collar family. They, I, I love my parents. They, you know, they did the world for me. But it was a different, it was a different time back then. Um, we didn't have travel sports. We didn't have club sports. We didn't. Well, they and, and maybe you did. I shouldn't you say did. we didn't. We just didn't know about it. Um, it is definitely. I mean, it it's was-
1: a, youth sports is a multi-billion dollar industry right now um, with a lot more sports specialization than there ever was. You know, we're, all, we're 40s, you know, all of us. And so when we were growing up, you know, there were seasons, you know, yeah. that you kind of engaged <laughs> in and you've like, you know, you've got football season, you got wrestling, basketball season, you got baseball season, and you start the other one over again. And you just didn't have that level of commitment that exists right now. I just want to like pick up on something that I thought was really important because I, I you know you guys asked a really important question. For me personally, my coaches were the most influential people in my life. Mm. So, when I had when we had to choose a, a a high school for my for my son, it was who are the people that are going to be around him. It what, you know, other families might say, well, this school has the highest, you know, SAT scores or this is the highest rated. Like we didn't think about it that way. We thought, all right, who are going to be the mentors? Who are going to be the people that are going to be influencing? That's a him? brilliant point. Because I thought that matters most, yeah. right? Um, because they're the they're the you know they're the people who are going to be in your son's ear more often than maybe you are. Even you have to trust your coaches are educators. And, you know, coaches were more important to me than teachers. I, I remember my coaches sitting me down at different points in my life. And I remember the lessons that they taught me. Right. I remember, like, there's, like, little things, you know, that you even hear. Like, tough times don't... I remember this from a football coach. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. And that lesson stuck with me that whenever, like, I went through a difficult time in my life, I realized it was temporary, and I'm going to get through this. And, like, those are... When we talk about resilience in sports, those were messages that were... It's like modern-day engra- sto- modern
0: stoicism. Yeah.
1: I mean, it is. And I, I remember my 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 freshman year at college, I didn't play a down, you know. A lot, of don't, a lot of people don't their freshman year. But I didn't even like the way that I practiced. I didn't like the way that I played. And I went into my coach's office in the off-season when you have off-season meetings, and I told him, I guarantee you I'm going to start next year. And I just told him that um, because I wanted to put it out there because I wanted – to get eyes on me that I wanted to win that spot and I eventually did for my sophomore year and that coach took a division one double a job and uh, after I graduated I went back to uh, went went back just to just to see him and he told that story to his entire team and what that you know what that meant and it's something that like it's something that I communicate with with my son and I want other people involved in his life where you you think it into existence right you have to put it out there and you have to you have to live it and it doesn't matter if it's sports it it, whether it's it's academics or other things that you're interested in like you have to go for what you want and you have to put it out there and sports told me that because you have to be able to take risks in sports and if you're not willing to take those risks well then you're never going to be able to achieve your full potential and that's an important life lesson that i learned in in our current society and culture when we've talked about you know growth mindsets versus fixed mindsets how many kids are we coming you know involved with right now that are just a, a, you know just can't tolerate that struggle right. or can't str- you know, can't tolerate that failure sports teaches you that you know you you're going to fail you're going to lose like there's no way you can get through it And I just find athletes are just more well, you know, well-trained and have the mental capacity to be successful in the workforce, you know, if they were able to learn those lessons. We've seen a lot of kids uh, give up sports. We've seen kids, uh, you know, struggle with, uh, you know, anxiety and behavioral problems and pressure. What's the difference in your opinion between You know, parents who do a really good job of developing their athletes into successful young men and women versus, you know, the ones that may have some problems being able to kind of sustain their sport, whether it's in high school or even into college when they kind of get out of the environment of their parents. I would have to say their emotions throughout or
2: their commitment throughout. You know, the the, the one thing that kids in general – whether you're nine years old or you're 17 years old, is they understand commitment and emotion from outside or external uh, influences. So as a parent, what I think is really important is if you can focus on what's important in that sport and keep them on that path, whether it's they meet that goal or they don't, Don't meet that goal. Even in college, I would say, you know, it's important to do as much as you can to support them, no matter what the outcome is going to be. You know, as soon as you let your emotion get the best of you, generally what I've seen over the years is the emotion gets the best of the kid or the influences get the best of the kid because that's what
1: they know. That's how they know how to react. You know what's interesting? Like there's a middle path, I think, like, Jordan Burroughs, who's one of the most decorated Olympic athletes of our generation, most decorated Olympic wrestlers of all time. One of the best has, uh, he was putting out a series of tweets um, not too long ago, you know, really talking about the role of parents in sports. And he took a, you know, he took a perspective where, uh, you know, the parents role is almost 100% to support them, you know, and that kids should have a lot of fun with sports. and, you know, I'm, I'm not completely on that side. I think I've needed to push my kid. I've had to teach lessons through sports. Um, there are times where I, I, you know, I feel like that sports are an opportunity to teach hard work and to discipline. And they don't necessarily know that as a kid, they don't really know how far they can push themselves. And if you don't, if you don't, as a parent, be able to say, Hey, you can do more, you can push yourself more. Your mind is holding you back. You don't know what you're capable of doing. Then you, you step out and you lose yourself and your opportunity to parent at that, at that point. I don't, I, now he's a, he's an outstanding athlete, you know, at the highest level. So he's going to have a different perspective. He's very self-motivated of course. Um, but, most of our, you know, almost everybody is not going to be an Olympic athlete. So, you know, sports is going to provide these, these, these moments and these lessons. And if you're trying to get the best out of your kid and their ability, there's times as a parent, you have to step in and say, you know, that performance or what you brought to that practice or that event mentally, you know, your work ethic, uh, your toughness that, you know, that does, that doesn't meet the standard that we set. Am I wrong on that?
2: Well, this is the question I would have for you: Who set the standard?
1: I think we all set standards as parents for values. Like the one thing that I don't have a lot of tolerance for, whether it's academics or sports, is around effort. You know, I think effort is really, really important in everything that you do, and you have, uh, you know, you have an obligation to yourself and your talent and your family and your ability, especially if you've been handed certain kind of opportunities in life that, that, that you, you develop that work ethic. And I do think people are ultimately health, healthier and happier when they develop that work ethic and they achieve a lot more. And I think it's better for their mental health. So that's a value for, for me. And that's something I, I push. And I think I've gotten success out of that from all three of my kids. And I think that's something that I'm not willing to, uh, to really bend on it at all. Like It's about that effort. If the effort's there and the outcome doesn't happen, I'm more than willing to step back and and say I thought the effort was there. It's going to work out for you. Now remember, we talked about this with uh,
0: with even education and grades. How how effort doesn't always equal the outcome. Meaning you can, sim you can do simple tasks and still get a great grade and the outcome is awesome, but you're not putting a lot of effort in. That's when we had that discussion of process over product, because we were noticing students who were putting a tremendous amount of effort into things, but because things were different in the outcome, uh, they didn't get the greatest grades. You know what I mean? Like it was such a different dynamic. And I love this topic because I agree with that. I agree with everything you said. I think effort is everything. I do. Um, It's not always going to happen for everybody on a daily basis where you wake up and say, I'm going to put a tremendous, but when it does and you can commit to it, I actually think that um, you're going to find success. Am I wrong?
2: I think you're right. And what I was saying before is the kid, the individual, whoever it be, whatever it's grades, it's sports. Sports, I would say sports more so. Grades, you know, generally kids can be successful in school based on their knowledge, right? Because it's it, over time, it becomes repetitive, just like a sport does. But I, I think that their internal drive necessarily supports the outcome when you talk about grades or sports. And to Roger's point, you know, effort, whose effort is it, is an important question Mm -hmm. that I think some parents or some people forget about. Whose effort is it? Is it your sons? Is it your daughters? Or is it your effort? Is it
1: your thought? Wasn't this like ultimately nature versus nurture? <laughs> you know, like yeah. this is like a lifelong like debate that you can't ever find answers to. Like, how much influence do you have as a parent versus what is, uh, you know, just innate within within them? And listen, I, I I think we can adopt that two truths can exist at the same time. That like you, innate talent. Oh, there you go again with logic oh, in our boy. society. <laughs> like an innate talent or, you know, motivation might, you know, be part of something that's like who they are in their personality. And at the same time, how that environment shapes that matters too. Right. So like sometimes, you know, I, 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 know without a doubt, like, and then I do this work as a psychologist that you can meet great families and great parents who did everything right you know, in a lot of ways, I thought they did everything right. And it was just something about who their child was. And made it that much more challenging for them at certain times of their lives. And, um, you know, you don't want, you know, I don't want them to feel like they're guilty, like they've done something wrong. And in other situations, you see like some parents do all the wrong things and a kid just achieves like amazing things. Like, so we can't deny that fact, but we have to focus on what we have control over. And, like, what we do have control over is our responses to our, to our kids, the values that we set. And I think that's tried and true over and over again. Like, you have to get the best out of your kid. It doesn't mean they're going to be an Olympic athlete, but what if the best of, you know, out of their kid is being a real contributor to a team situation and, and uh, you know, getting strong grades in A's and B's And, you know, that allows them to be able to achieve things. There are
0: various paths to that, right? So I can sit there and say, well, I want my child to be the most amazing person on the face of the planet. And I'm going to do every, I'm going to take this route, which I'm going to pay for all these classes. I'm going to do this and I'm going to put pressure, 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 do this. Um, And then I'm, but the other parent sits there and says, well, I'm going to do the same, but I'm going to focus on certain things. Like two different aspects how do I want my child to evolve? And I want you to talk a little bit about what you've seen with successful athletes. Being a coach, what is the parenting technique that that works better? Um, focusing on things like effort. Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Well, do you remember the do you remember Todd Marinovich? Yeah, like the USC quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was the he he was Jesus the, came out of nowhere. Yeah, that was no. Random. I'm I'm sorry. It doesn't come out of nowhere. This was <laughs> like so. Like Sean put this up. He there was that. uh, He called himself the first test tube quarterback because he was raised from a very young age to do everything perfectly, like from the diet oh, to the training right. to the exercise, and the prototypical overbearing dad, right? This is. He was a USC quarterback. He was back. He was uh, in the 1980s. He was a, I think, a first round draft pick in the NFL who completely flopped, and then developed a bad drug drug habit. Um. So like, he is the the story of the overbearing dad, um. And that might have been like the direction that you were going with this. I, topic, I am right. Right. Like like is the overbearing parents like? That's a problem. Like you can cross that, we can talk about everything about a middle path and values, but then there's there's the parent that lives through their kid.
0: So talk. Have you seen that with coaching and 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 not, not take your kids out of it? Just talk to me about being a coach. Have you seen that and how have you dealt with
2: it? Well, everyone's seen it, right? I mean, it happens. It's sports. Um, you know, the response to that would be. Who's, I would have to say, is it the parent that's overbearing? Is it the parent that's trying to live through the kid? What 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 didn't the parent achieve? There, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of gray area that can any of us answer that question? So you take that right, quarterback. Let's face
1: it, it it's the it's it's, the it's the parent, live, you know, living through their kid. Like they couldn't accomplish what they wanted to accomplish, and they are trying to give their kid every opportunity to be able to be that type of person that they wanted to be. Well, okay, but, but I never. I was a
0: very average athlete. Okay, so I and I was sitting there and putting pressure on my own son in the back seat, so that I had no. I'm not living my dream. I didn't sit there and say, "Oh, I wanted to be a major league baseball
1: player." Right. I was like very average. Yeah, but you're not Todd Morenovich's father, so let's that, not go to the extreme. There. I
0: understand, but I'm just saying. Like, I'm curious. There are people that are living out there that are that are putting their oh, kids no, through. No this. doubt, and they have yeah. some.
1: They have unrealistic expectations too. So well,
2: that's that's it, right? So it's unrealistic, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe maybe like to your point, so you're an average athlete. I was an average athlete. I would never say I was above average, ever. The kids ask me, I don't lie. I tell them the truth. You know, it's so. But I don't live through my kids. I let my kids make the decisions and do what they want to do with their sports. You know, the, I would say for you, you know, you have the same concept, but maybe the goals are different for your kids. So, so going back, going back in reverse a little bit. So you say the overbearing parents. Well, what makes you overbearing? because you're constantly living through the kid and you want to do something you haven't done or is it well they're always on top of the kid what makes you overbearing like what what at what point do you say that's an overbearing parent like how do we sit here and say we're not overbearing? I was just going to
0: say maybe or, we're all overbearing right You know now. what
2: I'm saying or maybe we're over you know
1: what I'm, so yeah, I guess it's it's, it's like a really like suffocating the kid and everything becomes about the achievement in that sport at the expense of everything else in development. And then you can see that the the way the kid is responding, it's all about trying to please the parent. That's the way I would describe it. Right. So to that point, yeah, that would be it. So you look at, you
2: step back and you look at that situation and you see how the parent reacts to a situation. then the kid is trying to internalize his own thoughts, feelings, emotions about what just happened or didn't happen and then constantly looks for the parents you know forgiveness or
1: guidance or mm, so, yeah. something of the sort. Maybe yeah, that's an overbearing parent yeah but like it's hard enough to lose, but then if you feel like you're letting other people down, like that's another level. yeah I mean that's it's another tough. level of pressure. when you talk about the anxiety that exists in sport, like if, if it becomes about you're doing this for someone else and you're going to, you know, you're really going to destroy that person right. if you can't win, I think that's where you're not going to be able to meet your your level of talent and expectation because you are too afraid to lose.
2: So to that point, and I'll bring the situation up even though I probably don't want to, but you know, I believe that Nathan went up to you at one point during one of the tournaments, and I can't remember which one because I've been to a million, um, and he lost. And I think he lost in the finals, or he lost somewhere, and he walked up, and he apologized to everybody around. Never apologized to me. Never once. Didn't look at me. Walked up to Roger, and he was like, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm I'm sorry I just lost. Like, he felt like everybody was there for him and he let people down. It wasn't necessarily me because again, I've taken a very different approach with him mentally to prepare him for what he wants later on. You know, and as we talk about overbearing parents, is it about right now or is it about and we talk about values. We talk about all these things. Right. Is it about now or is it about what what are you going to gain from these experiences in life? or school, or sports, or whatever it be. And sports, that's why we all are very enthusiastic about sports, because we feel like it prepares you more for maybe some of the outcomes later in life. So you're prepared for those outcomes. You know, and and again, I don't mean to get off topic, but I was just saying that to that point, my own son went up to people in the crowd and apologized for failing. You know, because he felt like he let people down. Like, because he wants to do well. Yeah. He wants to succeed. He wants people to feel good. He wants people to be proud, you know, those sorts yep. of things. So,
1: And I remember that. And I remember what I said to him. And th- that, you know, that's the example of the story in your head. You know, he had the story in his head that everyone was counting on him. And maybe, you know, maybe in that particular tournament, he was the lone kid representing our club in a final. And I could understand, you know, why a kid would think that. And, and kids developmentally you know they tend to think they're on a stage anyway and everyone's looking at them and so there it tends to like you tend to hold on to this pressure like all right i gotta do this because i'm the only kid here who's in the finals of this this tournament i'm kind of representing my club so i think the first thing you do you validate that you know you're not crazy because you thought that but then you say i love less you know i love watching you wrestle you did a great job you know you worked your you know you worked really hard out there it was a fun match to watch don't let me think about that type of stuff but that's the one thing about your your son and that mentality is i wanted to bring up this question for you because when you have two kids with the highest aspirations it's almost like if you don't make that goal right like and you don't ever want to think about that right you don't want to like think about your kids not achieving their goals but it's you know it's that's elite to be able to make an Olympic team and uh, a, another level to try to win a gold medal at that type of, you know, those, those type of games. Have you ever thought about like, how, how do you have those conversations when the goal in the bar is set that high? Cause we're at a different level. We're not even thinking about that, but you're in a situation where two kids are, have Olympic aspirations yeah. and it's not unrealistic.
2: I, I, it goes back to everything I said. I, I think that, I'm okay with that failure, right? So maybe it doesn't happen, or maybe that's far fetched. People say that's crazy. Why would you think that could happen? You know, but if I don't provide that support for both of them, whatever it be, you know, whether again, and let's—if it's not my kids and a kid wants to play baseball in college, you know, and he wants a scholarship, you know if that's his goal is he always, are you always going to achieve it or do you have to just go at it like you're going to achieve it and whatever happens happens you know and the conversation i would have would be you prepared yourself you did everything you could you you you, you tried your best you you know i would just talk through it and i would just make sure they understood that it's not always going to be perfect it really isn't it doesn't matter life War sports. It's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be the outcome you want, but what are you going to do with the outcome that you received and how are you going to move forward?
0: That's true. Then we go with the outcome, uh, that that argument of outcome, because if if, if my son says, well, I want to play baseball in college, well, then I should be doing everything I can as a parent to provide opportunities for that individual, not my son, to do so. (laughs) Jesus. So... But seriously, like, I don't understand why that's such a a wrong thing to say, right? It's not a pressure thing anymore. Like, no, that's not, not, what not. we should be doing as, as parents is providing opportunities when we can, if we can. And even if we can, we should be reaching out to people to say, well, I don't have the means to be able to do this. My son wants to do this. Is there anything, anybody know anyone that can help? Like, that should be done. I, I, I do believe that, that that should be done, right?
2: <laughs> like or, or what am I doing wrong? What right, can I do right, better? What, exactly. How can I make this yes. be as realistic as possible? You know, and I think that's the most important part. How do you make this as realistic as possible? You, talk, you know, Roger talks about Olympics. You know, we talk about college scholarships. let back up and just think college scholarship. Talk about 2% yeah. of people get a college scholarship. 2% is not a lot. No. That is minuscule when you talk about all the great athletes. Now you talk about the Olympics, we're probably going to narrow that
1: down to a half a percent.
2: Less than that. Or less 0.0001%, 0.
1: 0. 0. 0. 0. 0. 0. 0. you know, that's which so, is cra- that's is that is remarkable insane. So yeah. people
2: that, you know, I it, it's it's a hard conversation to have and it's, you know, it, it's just to your point, what can I do to make this realistic or what can I do to make this better? How can I provide the best I can provide? I'm going to do it. Whether it happens or it doesn't, that's the point.
0: So one of the things that I think that um, travel and, and being involved with sports has done is there's a, there's a community feeling and... We've been fortunate to be able to provide for our, our kids, um, obviously travel and, and what you guys have gone through probably with wrestling and other sports. It's expensive. You can get, you can get very... So people are going to ask the question, oh, okay, well, I love that you guys are bringing this up and sports are very important, but by the way, you know it's, it's very expensive. One of the things I've noticed... Is a growing community of support, and so my question to you is: When you are coaching a national program, one of the best, in the, you know, one of the best in the nation, do you help? Do you find that you can help individuals that that may ask that question or may bring up that as an argument, like, "Oh, you know, we 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 need support."
2: So the response would be. You know, community is huge when it comes to sport. And I would say that the more that you surround yourself with good people, good families, good values, good sports, um, I think that, you know, those that maybe don't have it financially, um, you know, I think it will come because when you you involve yourself with the right people, they're going to help out. They're gonna, they're gonna take it. They're gonna see an opportunity for not just their own kid.
1: They're gonna see an opportunity for other kids, and they're gonna help you out. Yeah, yeah. There's that, uh, that statement where it takes a village. And it might have been a Hillary Clinton statement, just talking about the importance of community. And I really do, you know, agree with that. Like, you know, we were very blessed to have, you know, families that we really trusted in, that were real positive influences, and you know, that's a great thing about sports. You when you have other people taking an interest in your in your kid or if you're having a kid who's going through a a challenging or difficult time and might have had some adverse events in their own life for a coach to be able to take an interest in them, you know, think about what that message is. Like that's the message that, you know, I'm important. You know, I matter, my life's important. And that makes all the difference in in somebody's life. Because they might be going through something at the time where maybe they're questioning you know, how important they are and and sports is, is about that community aspect and you have a great coach in your life or great teammates who really care about you. that's exactly what you need to propel yourself to that next stage in, in life even if you're struggling at that moment. Yeah, so I've been you know, I've been on the other side of this Sean wanted to bring up this question. You have you know I've been on the situation where an athlete, and, you know, we have Lehigh University, Lafayette College, you know, division one, you know, double, or used to be called double A schools and Rutgers isn't too far. You know, you'll have people dedicate their lives to a certain sport. It's even more frequent now with sports specialization and club and travel teams. And then something happens in college. Maybe it's an injury um, or, or maybe they just don't like really get in the lineup. And you see some of these, uh, you know, now they're young adults they struggle with the ability to adapt because that's all that they knew. So Sean has this question. He's got a, uh, he's got a one-year-old, and he, w- he wanted to focus on the downside of this, um, which is always good in a, you know, in a podcast to have someone say that the downside of focusing on one thing, like uh, one sport, at the expense of other things. He says, I want to have a son who's balanced, well-balanced, So he would, his value would be, I would rather choose to be not, not have the high level of achievement, but be able to adapt to many different situations because ultimately sports is a short period of our lives. Most of our lives aren't involved in sports. So what, you know, is this always in the best interest of, of, of kids to focus so much on one thing that's such a short period of time? Um, and you know, what's the downside?
2: So, I would, I would, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this because I'm going to go back to earlier in the podcast. And both of you mentioned something that you carry with you today in this present moment that you remember from sport or sports or coaching or a life lesson or whatever it be, you know you're carrying it today. You, it's, it's, it's partially why we're having this conversation because we're passionate about something that we think is very important and not that Sean couldn't be right. I'm not saying that, but I think every individual is different and you have to base what you're going to do for your kids on what you want for experiences later in life so in general so is sean
1: sean's a little risk averse we know sean you know we've had these conversations about his personality so is that like part of his personality and then he's taking that and he's actually putting on his kid he's limiting what his kid might be able to do because he's saying i think that if you put all your eggs in one basket Ultimately, that's what he's saying, right? If you put all your eggs in one basket and one thing and it doesn't work out, then you have to deal with the emotional fallout of that. While others who have different values might say, listen, you find what you're passionate about in life and you go for it. And even if it doesn't work out, you still learn something and you'll be able to apply that to to the rest of your life. But at least you won't have any regrets because you, you you, you gave everything that you had and you can apply that to the next challenge that exists in life. And that's my opinion. My opinion is life is about a series of challenges. And so now's their developmental challenge. And sports is what they need to overcome. It's going to end, and you're going to have to deal with it. Whether you've re- reached your goals or you haven't reached your goals, you're going to have to deal with that end. We've all had to. You know, you were in, you you wrestled in college. I played football in college. I remember my last game and my thoughts that were in my head, My everything I've done my entire life up to now was this. Now, Now what's next, right? But you have to do the next thing and it's the next challenge. And so it, I'm gonna act like Sean was was here. You have to be careful, even though it sounds like I'm creating this balance here with my kid by involving him in many different things. Well, you have to be careful you're not instituting your own what you want that person to be too. By your own fears. So I have a great story
0: about this because I have, a, I have a, a friend who was very much like Sean. And by the way, when you said Sean may be right, no, Sean's not right. Sean <laughs> is very rarely right. In that case, you have him devil's advocating, oh, well, what if, right? What if? Okay. I had a neighbor friend who said very similarly, I'm never going to get my kids involved with that never get my kids involved with sports because I want them to be well-rounded. That was the, the term used as well-rounded, right? And the well-rounded thing was basically like what Sean just said. Well, that was when the child was one year old. Guess how many sports the child is involved with now? Two sports and they're, they're all in. My point is, uh-huh. you can sit there and you can uh-huh. look ahead and you can say these things and you can do it. And the reality is, you're going to find very quickly as a parent getting kids involved with activities. And I'm not just, I don't want to just point out sports. Maybe it's other activities. Either way, you're going to invest a lot of time. And I think that's what this podcast needed to really focus on the investment of time, the investment of the ability to say, how much time am I going to spend? With my child, what passion do they have? Um, if they have a passion, can I can I support that passion? I think that's what this is. So I I, I will disagree uh, wholeheartedly with Sean.
1: <laughs> oh, it's real easy for you to disagree when he's not here. Look at you!
0: You rarely do yeah. that on the podcast that's because
1: we're always against you. <laughs> You're You know, sports is sports really interesting, too, because we're talking, you know, often about here with with youth sports and people develop at different speeds and at different times. You know, you see it at sports, you know, some we we read that book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Outliers. Kelly, I remember Mm -hmm. you and I having a discussion on that with with that whole chapter on uh, NHL hockey players. And uh, that
0: was the names. That was the names. Remember that. That was when, or the name. or no, I'm sorry, not the names. When you were born. When you were born. yeah. It was I'm when sorry. it was when your, you birth born, date. your birthday. Your birthday. Because so you were older.
1: You got you the same chapter went the names then. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it was it, it was by your, your by your birthday. Yes. Was you were the older person when you were younger, and then you achieved. You were a little bit advanced, and then you got the specialized training after that. Yes. But in in actuality in sports like and our our sport that we're interested in and we're passionate about right now is, is wrestling you know it's weird you'll see in wrestling like these top kids top recruits in the in the country in high school absolute studs disappear in college and then these other kids like pop out of nowhere and you know are all americans and it's just like that idea that sometimes that you have to nurture your athlete and be aware of the long-term process. Like This is a marathon and not a sprint, right? And if you get f- focused on like where they're at at 8 or 10 or 12, boy, you could be really missing the bigger yeah. picture.
2: You go burn them out real quick. Everybody talks about burnout. I mean, that's, that's the one thing. I mean, you know, an, an athlete, everyone talks about it, and they say, oh, the athlete burns out. The athlete doesn't burn out. It's the people around the athlete that burn out, whether it be a parent. It's a coach because you have these high expectations mm. so early on. Oh, wow, he's great. He's doing phenomenal. He's winning all these tournaments. It's a long journey. And if you can stick it out and you can fight through it, whether it be baseball, wrestling, gymnastics, and you stick with it, you're, you're going to get to the end, right? You're, maybe some fall short, and that's okay. But, you know, you have to be willing to sacrifice and you have to be willing to get to the end and it is a marathon it's not a sprint yeah there's people that can win sprints but can't win a marathon there's people that can win one sprint but can't win five there's people that can win five but can't win ten well there's a reason for that you know it's there's a lot that goes around it but you know in the end you got to just keep pushing you got to keep trying and you got to cheap keep being disciplined and do what you
1: got to do. We haven't talked about competition. Um, Here we are in in, in American culture more than anything. It's a, it's a society that has been developed and built around the idea of that competition gets the best out of the, out of the individual and gets the best out of society. So um, ultimately I'm a big believer in competition that I'm not only competing with myself, but I'm competing with others and I learned to push myself to get the best out of who I, who I am. And this is in business and being innovative, being creative in other venues, being the willingness to take risks. And sports teaches that competition. Like, and that's what I love about sports. It ultimately, sometimes the the outcome is less important. It's when, uh, when you just see two people giving everything they got laying it out on the line and like, and it, and then being very close in, in ability like that, uh, you know, that finals match with your, with your son was just a great match to watch. Cause I thought it was just two kids who were of high ability, but were also like laying it out. And it was just, it was just fun. It was a fun to watch, but it's about competition. Like, and even if you come up, you know, and, and, and you don't win that, you know, you come out on losing end of that, that is, that is, what makes life worth living you know that's what makes life exciting and you learn that you have to compete in everything you compete to get into the school you want to get into you compete for the job that you want like life is about competition and it sometimes feels like there's forces at play in our society that are trying to eliminate that idea of competition and try to blame it when someone doesn't have an opportunity or someone doesn't achieve something, it's somebody else's fault, right? It's like you were, it's, it's your skin color. It's your economic status. Um, it's your gender, you know, and, and that, that can be a very dangerous concept in a free society. And I don't want to get way too political in that, but I do feel like there's a correlation between how sports can be devalued in society and you know, directions where some political ideology wants to take us. Why would we fear competition? You know, let's think about it. Like, why does there need to be inflated grades in schools? Why do we have to have trigger warnings? Why do we have to be concerned about somebody's response if they fail? Like, that as an ideology that is communicated in our social system, ultimately is going to negatively impact mental health. kids, kids, adults who learn how to push themselves in a society to get the best out of them. And every opportunity in which they may struggle or fail is another opportunity to learn. Doesn't that, doesn't that get the best out of us as an individual? That's how I look at it.
2: I would say for sure. I mean, it's a challenge, right? Everything's a challenge. Everything's a competition. It doesn't matter whether it's a job. It doesn't matter whether it's an interview before a job. I mean, everyone's competing. Where do I get my niche? What do I do? How do I do this better? I need to win. I need to succeed. I need to get wealth. I need these things are all part of society.
1: What if you didn't have that? What would your like? Imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have that. Is that, can that be considered root of like depression and low motivation? You know, all, all these things that are like emotional factors. What's your purpose. purpose? What is your purpose? That's the,
2: all, that is the word that I tell these kids in sport every day. What is your purpose? I don't care what your goal is. What is your purpose today? What did you come here for? Absolutely. Where, do, where are you going after you leave here? What is your purpose? Agreed. That is the most
1: important thing. And, and I know, like, from, from working in this setting as a clinical psychologist, you know, I see teens struggle when they don't have a purpose. And it's a protective factor of sports. You know, and one thing that I know that kids that are, that are committed to something have a purpose. They're committed to that, that practice and their improvement themselves, but there's also a commitment to teammates, and there's a community and there's a culture, you know, that, I, you know, I'm working, especially like when you're talking about trying to achieve a state championship in wrestling or you're in a team sport like baseball or basketball or football, whatever that is, that that's your brother and you're, and you're, you're going to give it your all because you care about them. And that's when you're in, in sports grows a connection between people. Like no others, you know, it's a unity unity, unity. and it's similar to like when you see veterans and and you don't ever want to do that comparison of sports (sighs) like it's war because it's not even though we make that comparison, but it's that commitment to that other person. It's a connection. It's a love for that person. Like they're a brother, they're a sister, and you're going into battle or competition and those create lifelong memories you know, that's something like your 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 buddies, who you who you competed with or against. You know, there's a mutual respect, and that connection is really important to community. And we have to be very careful about anyone who wants to undermine the idea of competition. Competition gets the best out of people in school systems, uh, for your academics, for making teams. You know this this idea that everyone has a medal to me is 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 not a is not progress in society, because if you're given something without earning it, it doesn't do anybody any justice. And I know that I open myself up to criticism for some people when I say that because I don't really believe failings that much of a, of something to be concerned about. Right. That I think you have the mental capacity to learn from it, grow, get better, achieve something, and feel good about who you are self-confidence and esteem is something that's earned it's not artificial that's handed to you
0: listening to a podcast may be therapeutic but it is not therapy always seek the advice of your mental health professional if you are in a crisis or you think you have an emergency call your doctor or 911 if you're considering suicide Call 1-800-273-TALK to speak with a skilled, trained counselor. If you found this podcast interesting, please share it with a friend, subscribe through your podcast app, and engage with us through our social channels. And if you are concerned about a friend or family member, reach out. The six magic words, I was just thinking about you, may make their day. Thank you for listening.